Let me tell you, it is my birthday. Uh, I am 55 years old today. And um, when I realized it was going to fall on January 1st, there were two or three things I was hoping would happen. And one is tonight we're going to dedicate my granddaughter, Eleni, to the Lord. So I'm excited for that. Um, The other one is this. And by the way, I bought her the most beautiful Cinderella wedding dress to wear. She's two years old, and I'm, oh, I can't wait. But um, the other one is this, is I thought, you know what I would really like, and this is a little bit selfish, but I think it's going to become meaningful to you. I I wanted my son, Tim, to come preach. Uh, Tim uh, is an incredible husband and father. I'm watching. He's a better husband and a better father than I was at his age. He's a better pastor than I was at his age. And by the way, you're going to hear in a moment, he's a better preacher than I was at his age. He really is. I mean, and I'm not just saying that. If you, when I remember back at his age, if I had got up here, you would have been apologizing to everybody around you. And uh, he leads a dynamic ministry in our church. On Friday night, between 175 and 200 fifth and sixth graders gather in the plex with Bibles in hand, worshiping God and winning their friends to the Lord. It's, it's literally... One of the most dynamic ministries ever. And Tim has got a team and he's developed a team and they've begun to do that. And it's literally brought transformation. Two girls alone got so excited. They've already this year, starting since September, led 30 of their friends to Christ as they brought them to this church. So God's anointed that. Uh, uh, Dan Pierce, one of my executive pastors, came and said a while back, he said, I want Tim to take leadership in the children's area. Since Tim's taken leadership in the children's area, we now uh, are seeing amazing things occur. We're setting records in attendance in children's. Our children's uh, curriculum could not be better on teaching the word in a very consistent and fun and exciting way. And uh, then a couple weeks ago, I saw it happen. A prayer of mine happened. I was walking out here, and a little girl is throwing the biggest tantrum you can imagine. Her parents look so embarrassed. This girl's screaming and yelling, and the dad goes to pick her up, and she's fighting him. And, and I could, you ever been in that situation where you're watching that and you're like, do I intercede? Do I hide? You know, and I thought I'm going to ask. And so I, I go, are you guys okay? And the dad said this, you ready? He goes, this happens every time we go to leave church. And I was like, yeah, yeah. She loves coming and she cries when she leaves. That's what we, I want every one of your children crying as they walk out that door. <laughs> and Tim and his team have been enacting that. So today... I'm going to pray and ask God to anoint him, and I believe the message is going to be anointed. And I'm going to ask you to take it in and and let it be a part of of God teaching you and guiding you. But what we're going to do, I'm going to pray, and then how Tim begins every time he teaches is he asks one of his students to come and read the Word of God. So we're going to pray, and we're going to hear God's Word, and then we're going to have him teach from it. Father, I thank you for my son, and that I've watched him grow to be such an amazing father, husband, and a man of God and pastor. I love how I watched him pour into other people's lives. And I pray that you would just help him today. You'd anoint him today to teach us your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi, I'm going to be reading Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. For this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first of the Ten Commandments that ends with a promise. And this is the promise if you honor your father and mother. You will live a long, long life full of blessing. And now a word to you fathers. Don't make your children angry by the way you treat them. 
Rather, bring them up in the discipline and instruction approved by the Lord. Thank you, Brooke. Um, as my dad mentioned, uh, we have a few students have, that have brought over 30 of their friends on Friday nights. Brooke is one of those students. She's, the, she's an amazing student here and in love with God. So let's pray as we begin. Father, we uh, thank you for the chance that we get to come and start our new year off uh, serving you, Father, um, seeking you, listening to your word, Father, and wanting you to bless us this year, Father. I ask that you uh, begin to uh, move in our hearts and our lives right now. Open us up, Father, and uh, speak to us uh, whatever we need to hear, Father, whatever we need to let go of, Father, whatever we need to give to you. I just pray that you begin to reveal to us right now. Amen. Uh, growing up, um, as my dad's son, people always ask me one question. Without fail, I always got it. Actually, I still get it sometimes. And it's, what was it like growing up as the son of a pastor? It wasn't until recently that I realized that it was abnormal and different. I'll, always I thought, well, it's no different than you or anyone else that grew up with a dad, so I don't get why you're asking me that. But I realized that we were different and strange. Um, one of those things is when my friends got home, and probably many of you experienced this, and, um, you, and your parents would ask you, did you do your homework or all that? And my friends would get grounded from church for not doing their homework. I got grounded from school for not reading my Bible. And, the, and then probably, this is, I'm sure all of you experienced this, you get home from school and your parents ask you, how, how was your day? Did you do, do go on your test? Did you turn in your homework? Do you have A's? And how are you doing like that? My dad always asked me the same question. How Christ-like were you today? And then to prove that, he would take me to the backyard and make me walk across the pool or try. Yeah, I failed every time. <laughs> but growing up as my dad's son had tons of blessings, tons of things that I got to learn from him. I got to witness someone that really loves Jesus, that someone that really wanted to live out his words. And because of that, it developed me to who I am today. Um, without that kind of mentoring and that teaching, as uh, Solomon actually writes, to train up a child in the way that he should go, and he will never depart from it, my dad did that. And the way that Solomon writes this isn't the way that we think of parenting a lot today. It's not just parent and kind of explain. It's train in the way of war. Train in such a way that you are intentionally every day preparing your children for what's out there. And my dad did that mainly by example. And there's five things I'm going to share with you guys today that my dad taught me and lived out at home that taught me to be like Christ and totally changed and developed me to be who I am today. And without this, I would not be uh, the man of God I am today. So the first one uh, is to laugh. You cannot be around my dad and not laugh or at least uh, him tell a joke that you might or might not think is funny, as we have all heard. Um but to laugh. And even though it doesn't necessarily, Jesus doesn't tell his disciples, you better laugh at these jokes or else. We do see Jesus tell things in a comical way or a humorous way. And we find out through scripture that he wants us to have joy and he wants us to laugh and he wants us to ha have excitement in our life. And in Ecclesiastes 3.4, Solomon actually says that there is a time to weep and there is a time to mourn, there's a time to be sad, but there's definitely a time to laugh. 
There's a time to dance. There's a time to celebrate. And even in hard times and difficult times, we have to find those times to laugh. And what my dad taught me was in that laughter, we prove our faith in God. You see, my dad always had this routine every single morning. It became a game to him. And what was is we'd wake up for school and my brother and I, not happy to wake up early to go to school. And so we weren't happy. We were miserable. We weren't excited at all. My dad made a point every single day to make us laugh before we got into school. And without fail, he got us to laugh. For me, he bought me a donut and I was excited. But he, bought, but he made us laugh. He made it a point to say, I love my kids enough. I want them to start the day off right. They're going to laugh and they're going to go to school excited and smiling. And that helped throughout my years, especially when things don't go right. I look for those chances to laugh, to prove that I trust that God can take this miserable, poor, horrible situation. He's going to use it for good because he promises. And he's in control, not me. And so I can laugh and realize it's only temporary. God's got my back. God loves me. He cares about me so much that he's going to take care of this. And in those times of laughter, my dad would always surprise us. And he'd always do fun things. And he'd always throw us these curveballs. One morning, I remember we woke up and we were heading to school. And it was one of those mornings that just for some reason you're not happy. It just seems to be like that worst day ever. You have no idea why. I remember that morning. I was extra miserable. I didn't want to go to school for some reason. And we start driving, and my dad gets on the wrong uh, direction on the freeway from our school. And my brother and I are sitting there thinking, now I'm not even thinking that I don't want to go to school. I'm thinking I'm going to be late and in trouble. My brother was the bookworm, and he's thinking he's going to get a B for not being there. And my dad starts driving, and we're freaking out, and he tells us, oh, I guess I'm just tired today. I'll get off at the next off ramp. He didn't. He kept driving. And my brother and I are freaking out all the way until we get off this off-ramp and he takes us to the NFL experience. Just because he decided, I need my kids to have a day of fun and I need to spend time with my kids and make sure we have fun together. My dad taught me to take time out of my life to laugh with the people that matter, to celebrate with the people I care about and experience life with them. And There's nothing more Christ-like than spending time with those that are close to you, your family, your friends, your children, your parents, and really laughing and celebrating and seeing the good in life. And that's one of the things that my dad taught me that really kept me going, especially during the hard times. There's nothing more Christ-like than finding times to celebrate with friends and experience life together and celebrate what God is doing in your lives. The second thing he taught me is to pray and seek God. You see, throughout grow- when we were growing up, my dad would always pray. He, before making any small decision even, he would pray. Whether it was what uh, grocery store we're going to go to or where we're going to eat, um, where he would go to lunch. And there's multiple stories. And uh, when he tells them, sometimes you can wonder, are these true? Well, I've been with him on some of those. They are true. When he prays and he says that God led him somewhere and he went and he got to bless someone's life and share with them, those are true stories. Because he taught us, pray, ask God, but more importantly, listen and go where God leads you. And Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 17, to rejoice always, which he taught us, where taught my brother and I, and then to pray without ceasing. 
to pray without ever stopping. And sometimes we get caught up in praying thinking, oh, I just need to talk. I need to say these words. Um, There's some magical prayer I need to say. It's not about that. It's about telling God, I'm here. I'm open. I'm listening. What are you going to speak to me? Because God speaks to us. And we need to be open. We need to be available. We need to pray without ceasing. We need to be listening for his direction and his voice without ever stopping. Always in tune to him. And growing up, my dad taught me that. So one day in uh, high school, uh, my friends and I were getting ready to go to lunch. And I had a minivan. We called it Green Machine. Yes. Love that car. Um, And I would drive everyone everywhere. And so we're all getting ready to go in the car, and I decided, all right, I'm going to pray. And I wasn't a saint. I honestly didn't do it that often. I wish I would have, looking back, but I didn't. And I decided that day, I'm going to pray. And so I prayed, and I asked God, all right, where do you want me to go to lunch? And he said, Taco Bell. Last thing I would ever expect God to tell me is to go eat a green burrito from Taco Bell. But I get in the car, and my friends get in, and I said, hey, we're going to Taco Bell. And they said, no, we want to go to Burger King. I said, no, I'm going to Taco Bell. So they said bye, and they jumped out. So I'm by myself now in my, in my car, and I'm thinking, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. So I pull out, and I start hanging to the Taco Bell near my school, and a voice tells me, not that Taco Bell, this other Taco Bell. The other Taco Bell would have taken me my whole lunch hour to get there, get food, and come back. I wouldn't have time to relax. I wouldn't have time to enjoy my lunch. I'd have to be in a rush. So I thought, okay, God, I'm going to listen to you. So I drive there. And I get it, and I get out of my car, I get in line, I order my food, I get my soda, and I start having this feeling of this guy in the corner, and I look over, and he is in his 30s, and his food's done, he's got his soda there, and he's just got his head down. And God told me to go talk to him. Most awkward thing I could ever do, being a high schooler, go and talk to this guy, because what could I offer him, right? And so I thought, okay, God, I prayed, I listened, I'm going to go do it. So I go, I sit down, and I just at, say, hey, how are you doing? And he starts crying, and I, he's bawling. I don't know what to do. God starts speaking through me. He starts giving me, me scripture to tell him, things to say to him, and I start just sharing with him, and my food's up, and I tell him I'll pray for him, and I get my food, and I leave. And two or three weeks later, I bump into him at CCV, where we, the church we were at then, and he had gone that day, and he had gone forward, and he said that he was so miserable that day, but me stepping in and sharing with him convinced him that he, there is hope, and he went to church, and he made a decision because of that. When we pray, when we pray, God speaks, and my dad taught me to listen. And to, no matter how awkward, how scary, how hard it can be, we listen and we obey and we do it. And throughout growing up, I saw him do that and I saw him uh, teach me that. Uh, The third thing my dad taught me is you always care about other people. You always care about them more than you care about what's going on in your own life. Especially when people are hurting when things are going bad in their life, uh, we ha- or I don't know about you, but I have a tendency that when I hear someone struggling with something or someone's in the hospital, it's easy for me to try to make the excuses and to be embarrassed and to be awkward and to think, well, I don't even know what to say, so I don't even want to go. And my dad taught me that's never the, okay. You never 
make an excuse. Even if you don't know what to say, you show up. Even if you say nothing at all, you show them that they, you care about them, that they matter, that you value them, that God loves them so much, you will show up. That you care about them, that they matter. And growing up, my dad taught me that. And when I think about that, I look back in uh, Matthew chapter 9, verses 18 through 38. And it shocks me what happens in this passage. You see, Jesus is teaching. And a man comes up to him and says, says uh, Rabbi, my daughter is dead. Will you come, uh, pretty much bring her back from the dead for me? And Jesus looks at him and says, okay. In the midst of teaching, in the midst of everything that he's doing, this man comes up about one girl, and Jesus stops what he's doing to travel to the house. And tra upon traveling there, people are crowding him and talking to him and asking him things, and he's trying to get there. And I would be frustrated, but we see Jesus is calm. And even before he gets there, it says this woman who had been on her period had a hemorrhage for 12 years, makes it through the crowd, having faith that if she touched just his robe, she would be healed. And in those times, any, man that, any person she touched would become unclean, which means if she touched him, he would become unclean. She reaches out and touches his garment, and he feels power go out from him and heal this woman in her faith. And he doesn't get mad. He doesn't tell her, you're bothering me, you're in my way. He looks down and he loves her and he cares about her and he ministers to her. And he travels on and, he, and goes to this girl's house and, pray, and brings her back from the dead, although he says she wasn't dead. And said he leaves there and then he goes from there and heals two blind men. And then he goes from there and heals a demon-possessed man. That's a lot to do. That's a lot of care. Then it says, this is what shocks me. If you turn there, verse 36, this is what shocks me. He has done all these things pretty short time. It says, seeing the people, he, Jesus, felt compassion for them. He wasn't tired. He wasn't irritable. He wasn't thinking, man, you guys have so many problems Get over yourselves. He had compassion. He knew where all of them were in life. He knew all their struggles. He knew how they hurt. And in the midst of everything going on, he loved them and cared about them where they're at. And growing up, I saw my dad care about people. And when we were at CCV, there was about two and a half period, uh, years of period of time of when something bad happened every month pretty much. Uh, it seemed like every month someone in our church died, um, got in a bad car accident. Something tragic happened about every month. And it became a lot. And I saw my dad, every time that phone rang, he didn't sigh, he didn't roll his eyes, he didn't say, now what? He, he turned on the phone, even thinking it's probably going to be bad news, would hear about it, and in an instant would be out the door to go minister to the people or the family and go love them and care about them. No matter how tired he might have been, he never showed it, and he ministered to people, showing them they matter more than anything going on in his life. When we live like Jesus, we care about people more than what's going on in our lives. We show them, they val we value them, that God cares about them and loves them where they are at, no matter what's going on with me. And my dad taught me that and showed me that growing up. And it changed how I saw people. It changed how I view people and how I live today. And the fourth thing my dad taught me is to love. 
what it means to really love, to love unconditionally, to love without terms, to love without expecting anything in return. Um, I saw him do that with my mom growing up, um, had a great role model as a husband and a father in seeing him. Um, I got to see how he cared about people in the church who sometimes we think, man, they're difficult. I saw people that were hard to love sometimes, him love unconditionally anyways. That he wouldn't give up on people. Even when people let him down or um, hurt him, he never got, rebe- got revengeful. He never thought, well, forget them. He always loved for them and prayed and wanted the best for them anyways. When they w- and when they would come back, he didn't say, I told you so, or any of that. He said, I care about you, and I'm glad you're back. And that, he showed me love. And then, to get personal, he showed what it means to be unconditionally loving to me. You see, when I became, when for, up until sixth grade, I was a good kid. I was obedient for the most part. I did what was right. I was a good kid. Then seventh grade hit, and everything changed in our house. And I became a horrible student, a horrible child, a horrible son, a horrible friend. I became very angry and very bitter, and I was, I was a hard person to even be around. And my dad loved me anyways. And he was frustrated with me. He did get angry, not at me, but at the, how I was living my life. He wasn't angry at me as a person. He was angry at what I was doing and how I was behaving and the choices I was making. And you see, in junior high, I became one of the biggest school bullies we had at our junior high. I became uh, someone that would lie intentionally and over everything. I actually be- got suspended a few times for vandalizing my school. And I was just one of those ones, my dad just bad news after bad news after bad news. Everything just kept getting worse and worse and worse. Um, If you're a parent here and you had a child, imagine your child stealing money out of your wallet on a daily basis. That was me. And my dad was frustrated with it and he was hurt, but he never gave up on me. He always loved me anyways. And he showed what it meant to be unconditionally loving as a father. And that changed how I deal with people. That no matter what someone does to me, no matter how much they hurt me, that I can love them anyways. That I can care about them as a person. I can be frustrated with the decisions they make, how they're living their lives, but they as a person matter. And they have so much value that I love them as a person because I want better for them. And he taught me that growing up. And then the fifth thing he taught me by experience in junior high was to forgive. And not partially forgive. Not just say, well, it's okay, we'll deal with it. Or, okay, I forgive you. And you really don't. He taught me how to truly forgive. You see, in the midst of all that going on, and me being rebellious, and me lying and stealing and doing all these things. Uh, They probably thought, and many people probably thought, I was on my way to juvenile hall and all those things just because of the direction I was going and my friends. We were horrible kids. It got to be our eighth grade, the end of my eighth grade year, and he had tried everything. I mean, he took all my clothes and tore them apart. 
and then threw them in the dumpster so I wouldn't go dig them out. He went and bought me the tightest jeans, which are actually popular today. I still don't get it. But what, those, but what teenagers wear now, he, taught, he bought me. They weren't cool back then at all. And the pants went to my ankles and showed like that much of my sock. My mom saved me and, let, and had him buy me longer jeans. But he, went, he destroyed all my clothes and got me all new clothes. He thought that would work. It didn't. My daily routine for about six to eight months was wake up, go to school, come home right after school, pull weeds till the sun is down, and then go, home, then go inside and do my homework, which they would watch me do my homework this time. On Saturdays wasn't any better. I would wake up when the sun was up, pull weeds till the sun was down, go in and study. That was my life for about six to eight months, and I hated it. And then my dad decided to do the one thing that would actually change me. And it was a Saturday morning, I remember it, and my dad comes into my room, and it's like 7 a.m., and he tells me to wake up. He had never really done it before, so I'm thinking, okay, what did I do this time? I can't remember anything extra bad I did to warrant this, so why is he doing this now? And he told me, get dressed and meet me outside. And so I get dressed, I come out of, to the living room, and he's sitting in his chair, drinking his coffee, all calm and relaxed, thinking, okay, I've never seen him this calm. Am I dead? And he tells me, all right, we're going to get in the truck and go up to the mountains. Now I'm thinking, okay, he's got a shovel in the back. He's going to take me up there. I really am dead now. No one's going to miss me. No one's going to care. And we get in his truck and we start driving up the mountains. Awkward, quiet. I'm actually looking for the shovel in the back. Maybe he's got it hidden. And we, he pulls over to this little trail and parks and says, all right, get out. So I'm thinking, okay, now he's going to leave me up here. <laughs> and we, he gets out too, so I think, okay, good. And we start walking. And it's quiet, and tension's there, and I'm confused. What's going on? Why are we here? And we get to this part of the trail that has this huge tree. And I'm looking at the tree, and he stops. And so I'm looking around for any holes in the ground that might be my size. <laughs> and he says, this is where it stops. I thought, okay, I don't get that. He says, right here at this spot, I forgive you of everything. The slate is clean. You're not grounded. You're not in trouble. Everything that you stole from me, everything that you lied to about, everything wrong you've ever done that you're guilty for, I'm forgiving you for right now. And in that instant... The weight of guilt, of shame, of pain, of hurt, of all those things just vanished. Because I knew he was sincere. I knew he meant it. And he said, when we turn from this spot and start walking back, you're free. And I'm not going to hold it against you. I truly forgive you. That whole walk back, we laughed, we joked, we danced, kind of, as much as two white guys can dance. <laughs> and... It was amazing how free and how that forgiveness restored our relationship. And it taught me that no matter what, I can forgive people. No matter what people do to me, the most Christ-like thing 
a person can do is to look at them or to love them and to say, I forgive you and I do not hold it against you. It reminds us of the time of Jesus on the cross. Beaten, torn, spit, anything that you could think of on that cross and he looks to God and he says, Father, forgive them. Not forgive everyone else, but curse them. Forgive them because he loved them. The same people that attacked him and wanted him dead, he wanted forgiven. And my dad showed me in that time that we can forgive too. That to live like Christ, to be like Christ means to forgive. And throughout my life, whenever I, whenever I remember back to this testimony, whenever I remember back to my days in junior high, this is what stands out the most. And it reminds me to look at my relationships. Do I hold something against someone and have I forgiven them? And have I truly accepted the forgiveness from Christ and let him change me so that I'm free from everything that I've ever been guilty of? Because that's what God wants, to restore that relationship. Much like how it restored my dad and my relationship, that forgiveness restores that. And in this brand new year is the year to decide, today I want forgiveness, today I'm going to forgive. Because if I truly care about people and value them, if I love them like Jesus loves them and like God loves them and like they matter, then I want to forgive them like Jesus forgave them. And as we begin this new year, is this the year we're going to decide is going to be more blessed and more loving and we're going to be so different and forgiving and caring about other people that this year we're going to make a difference. That as Crossroads, we care about people so much that we forgive and we start this new year off right. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for how much you value us, how much you care about us, that you would be willing to come to this world so that you could love us and so that you could forgive us. And God, I ask that you begin to move in our hearts, Father, move in our minds, reveal our lives to us, Father. If anyone in here has never been forgiven like you want to forgive them, they've never accepted you as their Lord and Savior, God, I pray that you begin to stir in their heart, Father, and reveal to them the love and the joy that you have for them. And if anyone in here, Father, has something against someone else and needs to forgive them, God, I pray that you reveal that to them. If they're hiding inside or holding inside, that you reveal to them what they need to let go of and what they need to give to you so that they can laugh and celebrate and enjoy life in you, Father, and in relationships with people they can celebrate with. I just ask that you begin to move in people's hearts right now. And if you're here tonight and you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you've never prayed the prayer and said, God, I'm a sinner, save me, then I'm going to give you a chance right now. So if you've never prayed then you want to give your life to Christ and you want that forgiveness to be free from those sins, then pray with me right now. Repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm guilty of all the things I've done wrong. Please come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Free me of my guilt and heal me of my hurts. Help me to experience you and to have a relationship with you. Come lead my life, Father, and take control of where I'm going and help me to love and value others as you value them. Come into my life 
and make me yours. Amen. Good job. Good job, man. Oh. To begin the year with the slate wiped clean, to begin the year totally committed to him and experiencing his love, to begin the year being everything God created you to be, that's what we want to do. And uh, it is true that God is the God of the second chance and the third chance, the God who forgives, the God who teaches us to, the God who loves, and the God who cares. And uh, today, I'm hoping and praying that many of you, many of you today will be able to say, God, this is it. I'm yours. Actually, I hope it's all. What we're going to do right now is I want to go ahead and go back to a time of prayer. And if, if you today prayed that prayer and said yes to Jesus, I'm just going to have you kind of whisper some things to him again. If you today are a Christian and you need to recommit your life, I'm going to give you a chance to do that again. And then what I'm going to ask you to do after that is I'm going to ask you to, to we're going to stand and sing. And I'm going to ask you, if you, you say yes to God, you say, I, I either want to recommit or I'm his. I'm going to ask you to make your way to an aisle or to the stairs and to come and to head right to this room over here. Now, I want to tell you something that hit me when Tim and I were talking. If I had just walked into the living room and said, okay, dude, today's the day I'm going to forgive you. And I walked out. Do you think that would have changed him? Part of what God used that day is the walk we made. The fact that we did something different. The fact that we walked and had a place that we looked at and said that we're leaving it here and walking away. There's a power in that that we find in Scripture. If you today say to God, you know, today I'm yours. Or today I'm coming back. What you need to do is take a walk. You need to move to an aisle and walk forward and head to that room. And let us give you some things to help you know what to do next, to remember today by, to make it more special. But when you step out and say, okay, God, that's what I'm doing. I'm making that walk. What you're doing is you're saying I'm leaving it all behind. And that person that I'm leaving behind, the old me, I'm not going to go back to that. I'm going to start new. Start with the, clean, the, the slate wiped clean. I, I'm going to be that person. And God has lots of ways to show us that experience. So today, if you either are recommitting or you're praying that prayer in a moment, I'm going to ask you to, to literally make your way to an aisle and come. Now, if you want to grab someone and say, come with me, support me, that would be awesome. But no, I want to tell you this, even if you don't do that, as you make that walk, you're walking with your dad, your father, who looks at you and says, we're just starting over. We're just starting over. And, and so I'm going to ask you to do that and head right to that room. Another wonderful way God has us see ourselves as different and changed is called baptism. Now, last week, or I don't know if you're excited about this. I am. Last week, we baptized 62 people on Christmas Day. Yeah. And Charlotte came and said, we can't not offer that on New Year's. Now, I, I don't even know who would need to be. I don't know how many, but I can tell you this, that if you've never been baptized the biblical way. What's the biblical way? In the Bible, everybody who was baptized, they chose it for themselves. No one did it for them. They did it for themselves. They, a eunuch looked at Philip and said, what do I need to do to be baptized? And his answer was, you need to believe in Jesus with all your heart. You have to, before you get baptized, you need to believe in Jesus with all your heart. So if you get baptized prior to that, that's not baptism biblically. The other thing baptism is, the word baptized means to dip, submerge, or plunge. It is meant to be a burial. It's meant to be you going under the water and picturing what Jesus did for you, dying 
on the cross and going into the tomb and rising, that you go under the water and you're picturing that you're buried with Christ. You're buried, the whole idea of the water going over you. And then when you come up, you're a brand new person. It's, a, it's the next step after you say yes to God. It's the next step every time in the Bible of someone who said, I've given my life to the Lord. It's what a disciple does. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them. So if you've never been baptized in that way, today we want to give you a chance to do it. And uh, we're going to do it in, again, a radical way. If you say, you know what, I, I know God wants me to. I'm going to go do that with him. Then I'm going to ask you during that time of people coming forward for you to make your way to an aisle and come down here and get in one of these pools. Or you can go through those doors and go back there and we'll baptize you in the baptistry. Uh, why would you choose that one? That's warm water, um, which is fine. But you know what? We're just going to ask you to come and get baptized. And you could have someone else baptize you in one of these pools. Just say, would you baptize me? Now you might say, well, wait a minute. You know, what about a towel? Well, I think all you guys already know we have towels here. We wouldn't ask you to come without a towel, but we've got it for you. You might say, well, what about my, I'm wearing a white shirt and I don't want someone to see through it. Well, we have these really cool shirts that says, I was baptized on New Year's Day. And by the way, everybody who comes will get one of those. And we have a baggie for your belongings to make sure they stay safe. And we have trustworthy people, uh, one of whom have only been out of parole six months, but we trust them. <laughs> and they'll hold your things for you and make sure you get them back. And you might say, well, what about my car? Are you ready? We have trash bags we'll give you so you can cover the seat of your car. And it's actually a kind of warm day. But you'd walk outside wet, but you'd walk outside new. You'd walk outside different. And if God's calling you today, we're going to ask you to come do that come and be baptized. You know, it's interesting. Paul the Apostle, after he heard about Jesus, he was struck blind and Ananias went to him and he said, Paul, why do you hesitate? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. And you know what Paul was called to do? So do something to radically mark the fact that by the blood of Christ you're forgiven. So I'm going to ask us to pray. And if you feel God nudging you to come forward into that side room, we're going to ask you to do it. Start today, January 1st, 2012 is the day you do that. Make it a brand new day and brand new year and a brand new life. If you sense God's calling you to get baptized, we're going to ask you to come do it. Let's pray. Father, right now, I pray, oh God, that you'd start speaking to hearts. Lord, I know there are a lot of us in our lives, we've come to a place where we have got to start new. We want to begin again. And I praise you and thank you that you let us but you don't just let us begin again. You come and you anoint us with your love and anoint us with your spirit and you pour over us and we begin again. So Lord, for those who prayed that prayer with Tim today, God, I pray you're stirring in their heart and they're gonna walk with you now. They're gonna take a walk and just let all of their old life be just left behind. For those that need to recommit their life, Lord, that today's a day of recommitment. God, I pray they're gonna, they're gonna be moved to step out and come. And God, for each of the ones who need to be baptized today, who need to picture, Lord, that their, their old self is dead and gone and the new self's arisen, I pray you'd stir. I'm going to ask that we keep praying. Here's the thing. Is God calling any of you right now? If he is, you just tell him. You say, God, I will. I receive. I accept you. I want your love. I will. Just tell him. Praise God, man. That is awesome. Praise the Lord.
And if God's calling you either to go into the room or to get baptized, right now do it. Let's stand together and sing. If God's calling, come.
Let's praise God for all those that came today. And um, what I think would be an awesome way to close out our service is for us together to sing that song, I'll Stand. That we'll tell God we're going to stand this year for him. We're going to be his completely. So, Father, as we get ready now to lift this up to you, let that be who this church is. Let that be who we are. Let we us be the people who stand and stand with hearts abandoned, completely committed and devoted to you. God, may we be a people that rise up because of your power, your love, and your strength. And may we shine as lights in a world that needs it badly. And may we be the ones who overcome. And God, may you show us great and mighty things. And we know it's from you. Let us be yours. So Lord, we stand. God bless you and have an amazing new year. God bless you.